The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska lottery another day with elijah herbal before you pack up are you going to colorado yeah visiting some family again be good man yeah so you already got your workout in you got to move done this morning yes i did my brother uh got a call you ever see the seinfeld episode the way they're moving up the stairs well just the the fact that keith keith hernandez asked jerry to help him move and they weren't really that tight Yes, yes. Okay. Luckily, though, I showed up this morning. My brother already had most of his stuff in boxes, so that made ah. things nice and easy. Just See, to okay, outside. That, that works. Good I, for I, you. I was just the muscle. Good, good, good. Okay, so you are the muscle. Uh, Nebraska is going back to SEC country for another defensive back. Malik Williams is in. Another commitment in as many days in Coach Fisher's secondary. Uh, pretty talented kid out of Buford, Georgia. Uh, teammate of Gabe Irvin. And uh, a friend of Miles Farmer. So, connections, but uh, Nebraska doing their thing. Really good film as I watch another talent out of SEC land. We'll talk with Malik Williams in 30 minutes. He'll join us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch Sherman is about 15 minutes away. And we'll spend some time here reacting to some of Coach Chenander's thoughts as he uh, spent time with the Husker Network. As uh, He kind of just laid things out here defensively. Who's pushing for for time, potentially? The depth factor that is very real for Nebraska to get caught up in the Big Ten. They need more bodies. They need strong bodies. They need options. Uh, and they need some guys to kind of break through and uh, and star on, on all levels. Uh, I don't know about you, Elijah. You've got a number of dudes back with some some talent that needs to translate to the field in the secondary. You got some older guys and some young guys you're excited about. You have the linebacker spot that uh, you want to see probably a little higher level play a linebacker this year than you did last year. And then uh, defensively, you have three guys off to the NFL, and, and yet Nebraska's rush defense has been made fun of a lot. It just has been. That's not all on the the Davis twins or Darian Daniels. I mean, you had the front the, the front seven work together, right, to stop somebody from cranking out five point whatever it was. Okay, so it's it's a yin and yang right there. But uh, as a Nebraska fan, uh, when we get football kicked back off, you're going to feel okay with some of the options, and if somebody isn't getting it done or somebody's already played X number of snaps against the battering ram known as Wisconsin or Iowa or Minnesota, guess what? Get some fresh bodies in 
What's that gap going to be like in talent? What's is there drop off? Are you sending a complete second wave? Are you sending in the cavalry with minimal drop off? That's the hope if you're a Nebraska fan. What are you watching uh, on BTN? You're watching old Nebraska games. What are you watching on Fox Sports? What are you watching on ESPN? You're watching a, a plethora of old college football games. And they had the 86 Fiesta Bowl on, okay? And I loved, I hated that how that game ended because Nebraska like had it and then they just fumbled it away and didn't work out well for Nebraska. They got beat by Harbaugh in Michigan when he was playing quarterback. And you got guys like Jim Scow and Danny Noonan that are just beasts. That are just beasts. And and guess who hadn't seen the field yet? But they were going to be top five picks, top six picks. You had guys waiting in the wings like a Broderick Thomas or a, a Neil Smith. I mean, Steve Taylor came in and turned the course of that game. He did, because Steve Taylor kicked ass and took names. He was a great quarterback. That was his freshman season, I believe. Yeah, he, he came in, and, and Nebraska rallied, and unfortunately, too many fumbles in the third quarter, not to go uh, back in the DeLorean too far. But that, that just speaks to the depth, where you're just, at some point, if you're Nebraska and you want to get back into being mentioned of uh, in, in the names of college football programs that are good and respected. You, you have tradition right now, and yes, you have some talent, and you got a good head coach. You really do. But as Jim Delaney said, it's time for Nebraska to start getting back to being Nebraska. It's going to be because you'll have a, a good starting front seven, but you're going to have backups that come in and when, when their time comes, they're going to be great players in their own right uh, when they get a chance to win that position. So it, it'll be exciting to see where the defense can go. And it's going to be a test of manhood. Let's just call it like it is if you're going to get 10 Big Ten games. It's, it's going to be physical. It's going to be a snot knocker. Good. That's like one of the selling points as to why we talked ourselves into the Big Ten as sports fans, right? Well, okay, you're getting rid of the Big 12. Now you go to the Big Ten. It's, uh, it's Paul Bunyan time, man. Roll your sleeves up, grow a beard, and let's throw some hands. You need to be able to punch back. And Nebraska, for a long time, and this isn't this current coaching staff's fault, but previous staff that was here, man, not all of them, but some of them, Nebraska was – was soft. Nebraska was soft, and the league knew it. League circled Nebraska's name. I mean, the fans knew it. Yeah, as a Nebraska fan, man, <laughs> you've been a college student for three years, right? You know what, what 17 felt like if you're a Nebraska fan, where people just put you out like a, a Marlboro. They just, they just put you out on the lines of scrimmage. It's no good. It was demoralizing. It's got to get better. And you get some talent in here and some depth. It will get better for Nebraska. How soon can guys get up to speed? And you've got some upperclassmen in that front three. And, of course, that back four that, that have been here. And uh, let's be straight. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt's kind of your, your money man. He's fantastic. He's versatile. He's physical and he can tackle. Deontay Williams is a good ball player, really good ball player, and he finds ways to, to turn the football over. 
when he's on the field and healthy. That sucked getting him knocked out last year. So let's uh, start off here uh, with Coach Chenander, his comments again with the network last night. And uh, let's, let's hit on the front three because that, that is your cornerstone. That's your first level. That's your first wave of defense against the run and helping get after the quarterback, at least collapsing things in this 3-4 defense that if you're built with some playmakers off the edge, you saw how good it can be in Central Florida with a good secondary, uh, a missile like Shaq off the edge, and some guys that can occupy space and get off blocks up the middle. Here's Coach Chenander. And up front, you know, cautiously optimistic that those guys can play at the level that the the Twins and, and Darian played at last year and maybe even um, more. You know, we have a really good young group and supplemented that with some junior college guys. And I'm really excited about that. I think we have seven or eight guys that can rotate um, right now. There's some length up front. There's some size up front. So I think we're, we're finally getting to where we need to be to compete in the Big Ten, you know, with that size up front. But I really like the attitude of those guys. I talked to them a little bit on the phone and on text and all in Zoom. I really like where they're at, and I think that they really understand what we want to get done, and they're, all those young bodies are ready to compete in this league. So eight to nine guys, and you have three spots to occupy. If we're talking hockey, that's three line changes, ideally. But nice things are expected from Ty Robinson. Nebraska didn't rip off the Band-Aid on a gunshot wound up front last year. What'd they do? They redshirted Ty Robinson. It would have been real easy to, to put Robinson and let him play off the end. And also on the interior, they didn't force things with Keem Green either. They also went shopping with Feldarius, got a, a Juco kid that can come in on the interior. And, and by the way, you still have a guy that can be a difference maker for Nebraska in Damian Daniels as he gets into better shape. He's remember the Iowa game in 2018. I do. What happened when 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 Damian got in? Iowa quit running the football. Damian Daniels, good football player, when he can give you several snaps, right? And being that big and asking to occupy that nose spot in a three-four for the love of God, where you got two or three other fat guys coming at you. No fun, man, unless you're just crazily sick in the head at that interior spot. And it's a special dude to play nose. First off, you're calling the offensive line a couple of fat dudes coming at you? Is that what you're saying here? A little bit. You're not fat anymore, nor are you on the <laughs> offensive line anymore. So don't be offended. Oh, not oh. all linemen are fat, but there are some some guys who don't get cold in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but back to Damien, I mean, this is a kid that's already graduated from college. Mm-hmm. He's got his bachelor's degree. He's going back. I mean, he could theoretically get his master's degree before his time his five years in the on the football team are up but it, it's a smart kid who has experience he's now talented very talented uh it appears he's getting into better shape he's got to see his brother play last year he's now mm-hmm. an nfl player got to play with him i'm excited I'm, I'm high on damian daniels coming into this year well and is it snacks the nickname yeah is that out of love or is that nickname out of motivation (laughs) is that a you eat too many snacks we're gonna call you snacks until you stop or or that you just you just feast on offensive interiors i'm gonna hope for number two well yeah (laughs) we'll have to ask him that at some point more from coach chenander when it comes to that that front three 
competition. Here is Nebraska's defensive coordinator. There's a ton of guys competing for for spots. You know, guys that have been here. You know, the older guys so far as you know Ben Stilley, Damian Daniels, Deontay Thomas. You have a lot of guys. Then you have these this group of redshirt and or freshmen that have come in. You know, the Ty Robinson, the Tate Wildemans, Casey Rogers, Mosai Newsoms, and then you're talking about some junior college guys. Team Green was here in redshirt last year. Jordan Riley and Feldarius Payne. So I mean, you have a you have a, a really good group of guys up there that that's going to be hard to get on the field. It's going to be interesting once we start camp and watch those guys compete. Let's talk inside linebackers, okay? Because I think a lot of Nebraska fans are excited about where the inside spot can go. Colin Miller's been here for a long time. Colin Miller's a freak athlete. And Colin Miller got on the field early because of his athleticism, and he was able to come in and get off the edge. He's had to transition inside. He's worked hard to do so. He's shown good leadership for Coach Chenander this offseason. But this is this is urgency time for that inside group. It just is. Where you have a Will Honus that that blessing in disguise got hurt, able to redshirt. And Honus is a guy that 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 screams Big Ten football, a guy that Iowa and Wisconsin wanted, Nebraska got. And Honus is a dude that can that can stop the run. He's at a roll his sleeves up, and he's also athletic. So you have him and Miller, and and then you, you have a couple of guys that people are excited to see, but you haven't really seen him. You saw a little bit of Reimer, okay, as uh, as athletic as he is, make some plays late in the year. There's excitement for him, and then Henrich uh, out of Burke, really high level kid, smart football player. Uh, can you see a healthy uh, Heinrich this season? And do they surplant guys that have been in the league for a uh, league, get, been in Nebraska's defense for a long time? I mean, Miller's started a lot of games. Honus, when healthy, has seen a lot of snaps. Do they get surplanted? Can they get beat out? Yes is the answer. Will they? It's a nice problem to have where you got guys that are coming up from behind. You see them in the rear view. And maybe they, they win the job. Worst case, you can absolutely turn to them and say, okay, X and Y aren't getting it done. Let's just say hypothetically, go in and do your thing. Or you match up better against this offense than, than so-and-so does. So you have some options. But here's Coach Chenander on that inside, box, uh, inside linebacker spot really like um, obviously where where Will and, and Colin have elevated their game to you know those are guys, both guys that are either Will was a, just started with us from junior college and Colin Miller was kind of playing a different position when we first got here but those guys have really developed themselves over the last couple of years uh, just their knowledge in football as well as their body <laughs> and their leadership potential so I like where they're at in that first group of inside linebackers can we squeeze in the, uh, the competition, let's squeeze in the competition. Coach Schnander expands a little bit on just that 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 group of inside backers, and uh, you have two spots for a lot of guys. 
That being said, those guys have a, a lot of work cut out for themselves to not only get that first spot, but keep that first spot. You have guys like Nick Henrich and, and Luke Reimer right on their tails, and then there's a, a host of other guys competing at those jobs too. But I think that we're going to be able to be five or six deep there. You know, and you got some young guys coming in, Keyshawn Green and, and Ba. There's a good depth at inside backer too, and I think we'll be able to rotate those guys a little bit. So don't forget about Mauga Clements, all right? I mean, they're high on green, and I know he's supposed to be a fantastic inside backer, lots of speed, can really fly downhill. Not There's not been a lot of inside linebackers in Nebraska football that, that come in and just kill it. I mean, Levante, David, yes, but Juco, uh, Barrett Rude, for sure. Barrett was phenomenal. But it, there's there's a year of acclimation, not only to the college level, but your playbook. Got to get bigger, stronger, faster. But, but hey, uh, Green could be one of those freak athletes. I mean, he's getting mentioned because he's high profile, but he's getting mentioned because he may have some of the traits that can make a difference on that interior for Nebraska stopping the run and Maybe getting after the quarterback and dropping into coverage. Mitch Sherman's coming up. And a new commit for Nebraska in the secondary. Malik Williams is 15 minutes away. Great to be with you. On a Tuesday, Hale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, no, you got a big game tonight. Thanks for jumping on ahead of uh, heading to the dugout, man. How you doing? I'm good. Chris, we have a game. Uh, it's, uh, they're, all, they're all big. You know, it's, it's the next game. I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm losing count at this point, but I'm glad the season is being played. So, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, excited to uh, to talk some football with you. As uh, want to spend a few minutes on the on the the Blackshirt defense, the Nebraska defensive side of the ball, and a couple three young names that that have been bantied about. And uh, you got Reimer at inside backer and Henrich, the kid mm-hmm. out of Burke, and, and you have Miles Farmer and Noah Pola Gates. That's mm-hmm. two levels of, of young guys. And then, of course, Ty Robinson on the defensive line. You know, from what you're hearing uh, with, with the offseason workouts and just from a depth standpoint, if we get football and if it, if it is just Big Ten football, which is what it looks like, how, how better positioned do you think Nebraska will be in 2020? against an all-Big Ten schedule with their depth? Are they going to be able to hold up? Would you think they couldn't hold up better than in past seasons? Yeah, that depth on the defensive side and, and offensively where Nebraska ha- is, is improved with its depth uh, is, is a huge factor if you're talking about only Big Ten opponents. You know, Even if it's nine games, ten games, eight games, whatever um, – you know, you need to have depth going week in and week out against the Big Ten, kind of like you do going through a conference season. Um, the difference this year, those games are all going to mean a little bit more because there are, there are no non-conference games when you uh, put together your final record. And, you know, the names that you mentioned, the guys that you mentioned on the defensive side and, and, and reviewing what Eric Chenander had to say yesterday, 
Uh, I think are all key names. Um, they're all second-year players. They all registered a year ago with the exception of Luke Reimer, the only walk-on of the group. So, yeah, all three levels of the defense. Ty Robinson is a guy, one of the few on that defensive front, front three who can swing between defensive end and the nose tackle position. So he's a super valuable guy, and you can see what he's doing in the weight room with the videos that Zach Duvall has been posting this week. Um, you know, just kind of verifies, validates some of the thoughts about Ty Robinson that people have had since he's come into this program, that he's going to be a big-time player, going to be a difference maker um, on the defensive line out of uh, the state of Arizona. And then Nick Henrich, you know, people forget about him because he had the injury in his first spring, but he was on target. I've probably talked about this before. Um, he was on target to be um, probably a guy like Reimer who played last year, and I would say would have played more than Reimer and been a real factor on the defense, uh, more than just special teams where Reimer excelled in, in his true freshman year if he hadn't had the shoulder surgery in, in the, the spring leading up to that. Just a, a, a refined player, um, the number one prospect from the state of Nebraska in that 19 class. So both of those guys, um, I think, have a chance to really do something this year. And don't forget, Garrett, Garrett Snodgrass is in that group, too, as an inside backer. He uh, you know, was the scout team player of the year for the Huskers last year on the defensive side. The, the guys in the secondary that you mentioned uh, are among a whole group of second-year players who I think can impact this defense. This is definitely the strongest, deepest area, uh, not just of the defense, but the entire team uh, in what Travis Fisher has on the back end of the D. Is, is there a guy that could be a star, or do you need a star in that secondary? Yeah, I think there are some young guys who can be stars. I think they like Miles Farmer to, uh, to, to eventually become that guy. I think this year... Uh, when you start to mix in the older guys, I think Deontay Williams, with the way that he's coming back off of a shoulder injury, can be a star this year. Um, Cam Taylor-Britt obviously has star potential written all over him. You know, he's kind of the uh, the face of, um, I think, what Nebraska wants to be, what Nebraska wants to have from its defensive players, definitely its defensive backs moving forward. Um, a, a Scott Frost recruit who came in and has progressively gotten better and has played all over the secondary. So, they're, they're, uh, the, the, the guys like Javen Wright, um, you know, like Miles Farmer, like Noah Pola Gates, you know, I don't know that they've, they've yet to differentiate themselves. You put Quentin Newsom in that group. They've yet to differentiate themselves in this program as standing out because they've all been here for one year. But Cam Taylor Britt's been here longer than that. He has separated himself at this point. You know, I think he's a guy who can be an all Big Ten caliber player this year. And I, I think up front, uh, much, much like what I said about Ty Robinson up front. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic. Hail Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you follow Mitch. And uh, I want to go back to Javen Wright, uh, Buddha, and a uh, guy that was uh, going to be in that, that, that back four that they put some weight mm-hmm. on. And he could be a spark for Nebraska in that, uh, that middle level on the outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I remember his dad, and you covered his dad, Toby, mm-hmm. how, how phenomenal he was. Uh, just just breaking heads at, at the safety spot, but uh, maybe a, a little bit out of uh, the past here to, to take a guy in the secondary and throw him on the outside. It, it could work, and it sounds like uh, from an athleticism, Wright's got the tools, but he's also able to carry some weight on a frame, and that's uh, that's kind of the old 4-3 look, isn't it, where you take guys from the, uh, the back end and move them to the outside to get after the quarterback. Yeah, while we're talking about 
uh, Toby and Javen, uh, the, the, the legacy of Nebraska defensive backs from the mid-90s coming full circle to play for Scott Frost and Travis Fisher. You know, don't forget about Baron Miles and his son now coming into the program as a walk-on this year, the guy who's been through some injuries and is, is overlooked. And, and Baron and Toby played together, have a history together, um, and, and it's pretty cool, uh, you know, another storyline to be able to see their sons play. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect – the same things from Baron Miles Jr. That I, as I would from Javen Wright this year because Javen has been in the program for a year, now been through something of a position switch. I don't think the door is completely closed on him ever going back to the secondary. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what Nebraska did with JoJo Doman. Uh, they, they've, they've moved him because they want more athleticism at that outside backer spot. And it's, it's interesting in the way that the outside linebacker spot is evolving. Um, for Eric Shenander and Mike Dawson, the the, uh, the outside linebackers coach, and that they're recruiting guys like Blaze Gunnerson, um, the uh, the outside linebacker recruit from Iowa, who is in this uh, this true freshman class, who are bigger and are traditional, like almost like four three defensive end pass rusher type guys. I, I think eventually in this defense, the players who lead Nebraska in sacks are going to come at, at, from from the outside linebacker spot. Um, are going to be guys like Blaze Gunnerson who are big and can get around offensive tackles and get to the quarterback. And then there's that other type of outside linebacker like JoJo Doman um, who are just disruptive and can do a lot of different things and can cover um, well from that position. And, uh, and Javen Wright fits that mold. Couple more minutes. Mitch Sherman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. You read Mitch with the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Topic of the discussion last night with the Chenander interview was with special teams, and you hear it a, a lot about you know Nebraska and where their depth is at. We've touched on it with being able to hold up in the physicality in Big Ten play, but when it comes to bodies and guys that are that are pushing for. For playing time, uh, a way to make that impressions on special teams, with Nebraska's special teams being as up and down as it was last year in different phases, going into this year, do you think guys will, do you think they'll have more of a pool to pick from, Mitch, to improve that special team's consistency? Yeah, up and down is a is a kind way. To I, I was just pausing teams. with that, and I said, uh, "Up and we'll say up and down, Mitch." <laughs> yeah, they definitely have more to choose from, and you know, when we talk about all of these guys. We've gone through a number of names here when you when you go into young players on defense, but it doesn't just have to be the backups. I think you can see you'll see starters out there on special teams. That's what Nebraska has to do. It has to prioritize special teams. I think Jonathan Rutledge is going to bring that focus to Nebraska as the senior special teams coordinator um, coming from the SEC uh, where he's worked at a couple of different spots. And you know how important it is in that league when every mistake is minimized and you're looking for any possible edge that you can get. You know, that's where Nebraska's at in the Big Ten with its growth in this league and in this division. It has to find every little way that it can to eliminate um, the, the way that it trails its opponents in terms of uh, scheme and talent and experience. And, and find edges. And special teams needs to be a strength for Nebraska as it moves forward and not a weakness. It can't have situations like a year ago where the kicking game was a mess and where it allowed kickoff returns for touchdowns and huge games at home against Iowa and Wisconsin right after Nebraska had grabbed momentum in, in, in those, those late-season late, late season games. It's got to be the opposite. It's got to be Nebraska doing that with its return game, blocking punts, making big field goals, pinning opponents. So... What they've done this offseason 
with Rutledge bringing him in and the results that he's already produced in, in getting uh, an Australian punter and Daniel Cerny and a grad transfer kicker from LSU and Connor Culp, it's promising. It's off to a promising start. And, and the next step, you know, of course, is getting those guys uh, on the field and, and then developing a lot of depth and skill and athleticism on those return and coverage units. Mitch, if you're a Nebraska fan and, and we, we talk defense and we know about the yards per carry and, and getting after the quarterback, that's uh, one and one A. But from a size and athleticism standpoint, do you feel like Nebraska is or could be more athletic but also just bigger uh, in that front seven to, to, to dictate versus maybe absorb? Yeah, you put a guy like Ty Robinson in uh, wherever he plays, and you're going to get bigger. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a, a large human, um, and and you know there are others. Keem Green, um, you know, not a projected starter on this group, and that says something right there when you look at how big he is. He's not as big as he was a year ago, but he's in much better shape and gives you more of a physical presence um, than than he would have last year coming in late out of junior college. Um, I, for sure, from looking at the young guys, they are getting bigger. We talked about how Nebraska wants to be bigger and longer at that outside linebacker spot and rush the passer from that spot. I think Colin Miller and Will Honus as the inside guys this year, um, they definitely give you some size um, that, that will be beneficial. So, yeah, across the board in that front seven, um, they're bigger. And there are some areas where they've got to grow and they've got to, uh, they've got to improve on last year. They've got to find a way to replace three seniors who did a lot of things that didn't show up in the stats a year ago in Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, and Darian Daniels. But uh, um, they they have more depth, um, arguably, than a year ago. Um, And if they develop it, uh, I would say if they develop that depth, then they definitely have it. There are more bodies there. There's more potential. There's more ability for Nebraska to be a team all through the front seven uh, that goes to, and, and even in some spots, three guys deep. Mitch, about 15 seconds. What do you got coming up on uh, The Athletic? Uh, Max Olson and I, uh, one of our national college writers who lives here in, uh, in Lincoln, are teaming up on a story this week to talk about uh, the ram- all the different ramifications of, uh, of what may come of football season this year and how it affects not just Lincoln but, but, uh, but college towns across the country like Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, had some interesting conversations with all kinds of people all over the city. So look for that uh, uh, into this week or, or soon thereafter. Mitch Sherman, The Athletic, uh, and uh, follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, take care and thanks. Okay, thanks, Chris. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Big thanks to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Bill Bender's coming up. We welcome in the newest commit for Nebraska football, Malik Williams, with his uh, cornerback out of Buford, Georgia. Malik, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for the time. And take us through your recruiting process, Malik. And what was it about Nebraska that ended up standing out for you? Um, Nebraska really stood out me because of um, – the tradition they have there and um, how they take care of their players and always love of them. Um, Malice Barmer taught me a lot about him. Uh, we talk almost every day. Um, he was telling me how the coaches always look out for their players, not all the ways about the coaches. It's about the players as well, and I like that about a lot. Malik Williams with us on Hale Varsity Radio. 
take us back for for my listeners just your connection with with miles farmer and how close you two are i know there's a teammate of yours and gabe Irvin also that, that committed to nebraska so there's a lot of ties to nebraska for you but uh back to to uh to miles and you know how has he communicated his experience and how did that influence you um, I've known Miles for a minute. Um, we train with our dairy um together. Um I would say Miles really influenced me to go to Nebraska because uh, he would tell me a lot about him and um I really liked what he was telling me and I, I liked what I heard. And uh yeah, that's really it for that part. Have you had a chance to, to visit Lincoln at all, just on your own, or is it all kind of just, all right, from, from folks that, that you trust that, that have been there or just the amount of communication that you've had from the coaches? What, what's your uh, process been like, uh, at least to, to get a, a glimpse of, of Lincoln, Nebraska? Um, I've actually been taking vir- um, virtual visits, and um, the coach has been calling me a lot. So um, I think that's a big thing about it. So, real quick, what's a virtual visit like for you? What was shown? How did it keep your interest? What wowed you about it? Um, well, they didn't show actually show me, but I was paying close details um, on the wall. And um, I saw Coach Frost on there, and I was shocked. And I, and I didn't know, like, Coach Frost actually played quarterback for Nebraska, and now he's coaching there. So, that, that really shows a lot to me. How'd the picture look? Um, it was, I think it was a picture of him. Oh my God. I think I forgot. I I just remember like seeing it, but I forgot like how it actually looked. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, knowing it's Scott Frost, he must have looked good. But Malik, I know you're a multi-sport athlete. Uh, you, you participate in cross country or excuse me, track and field, uh, in the spring for your high school down in Georgia. And I know your season got canceled, uh, but you're a pretty good long jumper. Uh, first off, Tell us a little bit about your long jumping, and then also how have you been staying busy and staying active, keeping yourself in shape during this whole pandemic? Oh uh, well, in my long jump, I beat my school record. I jumped a uh, twenty-three-four, I believe, and um, I've been keeping in shape. I've been going to Atlanta. It's called I Dare You. It's a training program, and I've been doing that um, every weekend mostly, and that's what's really been keeping me in shape. With uh, with that training program, uh, how how vital has that been for you? What's what's your uh, your workout regimen like from a from a weight standpoint and just uh, agility? I mean, the the whole ball of wax, so to speak, Malik. How how does it get you ready to play? Um, it really just helps me with my speed and my lateral um, quickness, um, getting out my back pedal and stuff, and um, you know, just paying attention to um, close detail. Malik Williams with his newest commit for Nebraska 2021, uh, part of the secondary. So what was Coach Frost's reaction? Were they expecting you to uh, to announce? Uh, yeah, they were expecting me. I actually got off the phone with Coach Frost and Coach Fisher yesterday, and I told them I wanted to commit to Nebraska. And uh, Coach Fisher and Coach Frost were very, very excited for me, and they told me that can't wait to get me in that red jersey. <laughs> Malik, what do you are in that red jersey? What traits do you think you're going to be bringing to this Husker football team? Where, where do you see the strengths in your own game? Uh, my strength is I'm fast, I'm quick on my feet, and um, 
I got good eyes when it comes to, you know, zones and stuff. Malik, on the other side of things, what areas of your game do you think you need to improve before you, you finally step foot on, in Lincoln? Um, I really need to improve on my reads. Uh, I'm not too strong with it, but um, it's going to have to work. I'm going to have to work hard at it and um, just keep grinding for it. You know, Malik, a uh, thought. There, there's a number of, of kids in the SEC and the ACC footprint that that are part of Nebraska football now. That's not always new, but it's been kind of revived with Coach Frost here um, at Nebraska. And what's what's that say to you about kids from, from not only Georgia, but from Florida, from the SEC and the ACC footprint that are making their way up to Big Ten country? What's what's that say to you? Uh, that says uh, Big Ten has a lot of talent. You know, um, they're bringing in a lot of people. And, yeah, that's really it. Is that something that did I mean growing up? Were you did you think much about Big Ten football or just did you just play? Did you really have any thoughts? Uh, growing up, I was a UGA fan, so I think that was all about me then. But it just, stuff changed, so it's really it. Last thought here as Malik Williams with us on Hale Varsity Radio. What kind of uh, communication? And how easy is it, I guess, to talk to a guy like Coach Fisher and Coach Becton? I know they uh, they do a, a great job of recruiting the, the state of Georgia, but it sounds like they've been able to really connect with with kids. And you're you're no different. How is the um, the pitch from Coach Fisher, and how is the the communication through this process? Uh, the communication with Coach Fisher and Coach Becton is pretty good. Um, we got a bond, a very great bond. We talk like literally every day. Like I got off the phone with Coach um, Fisher, like I think it was like 25 minutes ago, and he was so um, he was excited that I was committed to Nebraska, and um, Coach Beckton was um, as well. What do you like most at corner? Uh, do you like playing press? Do you like playing off? I mean, uh, what do you enjoy about the position? I really love playing press, man. Why? Like my strength. Okay. Uh, you like playing press man. And uh, from a tackling standpoint, uh, I was watching a little bit of your film. In high school, I mean, do you, what, what do your coaches do to, uh, to keep you guys kind of on point tackling-wise? I know you, you practice it, but is it emphasized quite a bit? Do you feel like you have quite a bit of, of opportunity to, to get better each day at tackling in your program? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's always room for improvement, but uh, I think I'm a pretty good tackler as it is right now, but um, once I work at it a little more, I think I'll be the best thing. That is it. Malik Williams with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Malik, thanks for your time. Congratulations on your commitment. Thank you. All right, that's Malik Williams with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, another commit for Nebraska out of the uh, SEC footprint. Uh, Buford, Georgia, teammates with uh, the running back Gabe Urban and uh, close friend uh, Miles Farmer. So Coach uh, Becton and Coach Travis Fisher doing their thing. Uh, a nice another commitment for Nebraska and uh, really a good-sized kid again in that secondary. We'll wind down Hour 1 with Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Good stuff from Malik Williams, new commit from Nebraska. We will uh, get that posted up on ESPNLincoln.com. The on-demand section also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. That, that may be up already. Elijah Herbal's pretty quick at that. He is getting ready to go to Colorado. And I don't have his uh, email information. Otherwise, I would hand it out and place your... I'm kidding. You're not a drug mule. <laughs> I mean, if the price no, is right. If no, the price, no, no, no. <laughs> not letting you do that. I don't think my dad would either. It's it's his vehicle we're taking. That'd be... We won our jobs here on Monday. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, that's the main... And you and, you, and, you and lock up with that mustache, you'd be in trouble. From who? Are you referring to the other inmates or you're referring yeah, to Yeah, they would see, oh, look, someone's trying to grow a stash like I mean, Magnum P.I. and it wouldn't fly. I mean, the police officers could respect it, though. They, they could see the, the mustache. There'd be some guy going, yeah, like that in the back. Just because of the mustache. Yeah, they would pick on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's more just because of who I am, but. You'd walk in and you'd say, ah, big gulps, huh, guys? I mean, you'd just. <laughs> yeah. I'd walk in, I'd say, I'd introduce myself, and they know, ah, this is the guy. This is the guy <laughs> This is the guy on. we are going to rob and beat. <laughs> okay, uh, real quick, don't drink and drive. Uh, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable, and law enforcement working around the clock to stop with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver. Make that correct choice. A non-alcoholic drink or a pre-selected designated driver be smart start the conversation who's driving home brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office bill bender's going to talk some college football with us could we get a notre dame alabama matchup to start the season we'll have more from coach chinander and uh, his comments on the defense Uh, jacob padilla is going to join us jacob's doing some fantastic work coaching aau ball and I'm anxious to get caught up with him on just w- with that in-state talent, how they have looked this summer, specifically Hunter Salas and his crew. Uh, where could the recruiting winds be blowing for just an incredible five-star talent? A lot of kids that were uh, underclassmen, too, on that West Side team. And some really nice Lincoln talent, to be honest with you. I mean, Jacob seeing it all. So that's kind of the next wave of of juniors and seniors to be for the Metro and, and the Lincoln prep scene for for high school hoops. And we'll talk a little ball with Jacob Padilla as well. Some football, we'll get into that. More from Coach Janander. And uh, catch the Malik Williams interview in Nebraska. Commit uh, another defensive back. You know, I, I think at Georgia, and Amani Cross is a Georgia kid. Uh, I think of... I think maybe Dana Brinson was a Georgia kid, or for sure Louisiana. Uh, I'm double-checking that. I'll, I'll, I'll fact-check that in a moment. But guy that I thought was really, really good for Nebraska and was really good for the Patriots was Fonzie, Alfonso Dennard. Dennard was a Georgia kid. Dennard was like a three-star small school guy, and his cousin was uh, – Darquez Denard. I mean, it was pronounced differently, but it was his cousin. He was part of that no-fly zone Michigan State secondary in 2013 and 2014. So you get some kids out of Georgia, man. I mean, you can do a lot in the secondary with them because of their athleticism, uh, the level of high school ball they played on there, and 
good on Nebraska landing another kid uh, out of the uh, Peach State. Coming up, Bill Bender, Sporting News next with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery College Football Time with the Sporting News' Bill Bender at Bill Bender. 92 is where you follow him on Twitter. You read him, sportingnews.com. So are we going to get a concert review later tonight uh, on Twitter, Bill Bender? Yeah, you know, uh, the kids and uh, wife and I, we all took a, this is what we have to do, is road trip, drive-in concert tonight, maybe the uh, some ice cream and all those kind of things. So it, it is It is what it is. I mean, this is here's the bummer as you have with everything you do is we get to the hotel that we're going to stay at a little early, and, of course, the swimming pool's closed. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, that's, and you and I have talked about this a lot, where you just feel bad for the kids at that point. Like, our kids don't deserve that. They don't, and I remember road tripping with uh, the folks, and we'd always hit Kansas City, right? And it'd be... Uh, bring your swim trunks. Let's uh, spend Thursday night at the pool. Let's go grab lunch at Crown Center, and then let's get to uh, Kaufman early for for batting practice. The the Royals. So, and we'll see. Uh, you know, if Don Mattingly or Dave Winfield or <laughs> whoever would, would oh, yeah. Bo Jackson would go yard fifteen times into the fountain. I mean, that's that was the setup. And now I. Yeah, I didn't ever get the, uh, no, I'm sorry, the pool is not open. <laughs> I never got that treatment, nor did you. And it's a new normal for a lot of kids this year. Yeah, yeah. it is. But, I mean, you know, we, uh, and I've seen your pictures, too. I mean, we cap our youth baseball season this, this weekend, and the tournament's gone on without a hitch so far, and we, we closed the regular season. It was awesome. And I had a parent say something interesting to me this weekend, and I thought about college football about that. He said, you know, and this is knock on wood, he's like, you guys have kind of provided a blueprint on how to do this kind of stuff. You know, we'll have over 100 kids, 100 parents out there on the two diamonds. You've got people sitting on the hill, face coverings. And, you know, to our knowledge, and knock on wood, I mean, nobody has gotten sick. And we've all kind of done our thing and, and, and able to have these kids have some baseball. And it's been probably one of the more rewarding experiences for me just seeing the smiles on their faces. Yeah, it's been great, and, and our parents and coaches have done a fantastic job. We had our state tournament last weekend, and no, parents uh, knocked it out. The kids were great. The coaches did what they needed to do, and everyone sanitized and was able to move on uh, to the next uh, game that followed us. Bill Bender's with us, Sporting News. Bill, I want to, before we get into some, some meat and potatoes college football, uh, I know you're, you're uh, in Ohio and you're an Ohio guy, and you're in that, that, that Midwest Big Ten region further, obviously, east than Nebraska. What's the gauge, or what are you hearing about uh, high school football in the state of Ohio, in Michigan, and in Pennsylvania, specifically western Pennsylvania, those recruiting hotbeds for a lot of the Big Ten? How, how are things proceeding? Uh, Nebraska's uh, NSAA said, look, Fall sports are going to go on as planned. 
Nebraska had an all-star high school football game about 10 days ago. So, so far, so good here. But in your region, your neck of the woods, how are things, how do you think they'll think, things will play out here as we move closer to, to school? Well, uh, you know, that's another thing. On our son's baseball team, one of the coaches' kids on his team is a really good friend and a pretty good second baseman. His, uh, his dad's a high school coach. So we get all the info from him. And as far as we know, they're, they're going to try to go on August 1st as planned and, and see where they go. And, then, and as you know, we live in this city in Ohio that's one of those hotbeds. It has two of the best high schools in the country. They're, they're consistently ranked in the top 25. And one won a state championship last year and the other – has the number one recruit in the country, you know, Ohio State commit Jack Sawyer. So it, it's all systems go as of now, but, I mean, we're all kind of bracing for, you know, is there going to be another wave? I mean, because the numbers in Ohio are still pretty high. Um, I, it is my hope, and I've kind of sensed this reading the, just reading through stories right now. Yeah, there are cancellations and postponements, but I, I could ask you if you feel the same way. I, I feel like we're almost getting through this big spike and maybe heading toward the downturn if we keep it up over the next couple of weeks. I think there is some optimism, Bill. Uh, that's that's the sense I get as well. You had the news from the, the Pac-12 and, and the Big Ten not long ago about just conference games only. You've had the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 say we're just going to pump the brakes on making any declaration and you've had some outspoken coaches, specifically Ed Orgeron, just plead with the vice president that we need college football. And you do need college football economically now. You can't put a price tag on a life, clearly. So I, I think folks are, are smartening up. And, and I think they're being more cautious. And I think they're being uh, careful if, they're, if they are going out. And uh, they realize that yeah, your your health and safety is first and foremost. But if you want to go watch a college football game, you better you better take this thing seriously. And I think more and more folks are are trying to do that, or at least um, you know they're they're being cautious. Mm-hmm. And that that's a broad statement. But and I know it it, it sounds just kind of like lip service when you see numbers like it, that, that are happening in Florida and you know California coming out and saying we're moving everything to spring. I, I get it. Nebraska's in a whole different spot than a lot of places in the country, but I think Nebraska's going to try and do everything in their power to have football. I think a lot of the schools in the Big Ten will do the same. There, there will be some schools that, that may not uh, have mm-hmm. football, but I think you'll, you'll try and ad- adapt and adjust. And I want to go to Notre Dame. Do you think we, we get a Notre Dame-Miami? Do you think we get a Notre Dame-Alabama? Because there are some holes in Notre Dame schedule. They'll have six ACC games, it sounds like, but what about those classic uh, long-time rival games that Notre Dame's accustomed to playing? You know, I, that I, I've been telling people, and I'm kind of working on this, is like the perfect scenario for college football, perfect world scenario, and tell me if I'm wrong on any of these, that we get the conference-only game for the most part, unless the SEC, they agree to play that one extra game. We get a nine-game season. We get, and how I would do it is I if we get it in that first weekend in October, have Notre Dame and Alabama open that bad boy up on Friday night. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? If we get somebody like that, and then uh, go from there. You know, try to play eight or nine, get the playoff in, get the conference championships in, and COVID testing works out, and it plays a 
minimal impact on the season. I think if you got those five things, that to me would be the perfect season in terms of college football playing out. You know, all these possible scenarios that we did. That was, and then you know, another one I'm seeing is, you know, let the if the group of five schools can't go, play in the spring. Sure. Now let them play in the spring. That'd be amazing too. Um, you know, let them have a five or six game season if they can't play, and then we go from there. And, and people would watch that and let them play for their own natty. And I think that's kind of where we're at in terms of a perfect world scenario. That could work, and if things get started and then a pause button has to be pushed, maybe a resume in spring. I Spring works for the, a lot of the Big 12 and the ACC schools from a weather standpoint, clearly, but it's it's not awesome for most of the Big 10, <laughs> depending on if you get the yeah. big token 70-degree February or or March day in Nebraska, it'll be 20 the next day. I'll promise you that, Bill. So uh, it just it isn't real feasible weather-wise compared to just a handful of the, the, the typical November games you get. And sometimes don't, those aren't always as bad. But, no, I'm anxious to see what, what can happen with Nebraska. And it, if, the yeah. Big Ten, well, if the Big Ten ends up uh, just tacking on that, that 10th game from the East or – uh, the Big Ten does not stand in the way for schools to go fill out a schedule uh, if if things can't happen within conference. Yeah, I think with the spring games, I mean, that's kind of uh, – I've covered spring games with a winter coat on in Big Ten country. I always tell people yep. that. So, uh, and I had to have a winter coat, gloves, or sock hat. I remember one in East Lansing was really cold that I went up to a couple years ago, and there's been one in Michigan that was pretty cold. So that that's what makes that a little more – less appealing to me, not to mention that a lot of those guys might have their eyes on the NFL anyway, and that calendar's not going to be changed as well. So I just think the perfect way to do it is try to get that eight or nine game schedule in in the fall, starting first week of October, and uh, ramp it up and we go. Um, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of July here, obviously, and I think you need that six-week period to go. So if we can get those things down, get a real fall camp in, and, and go from there, we'll have a chance. Your gut says what about the SEC? Are they going to be the first to declare that we are playing football no matter what the numbers say? Do you think they'll be that brazen? I think they're going to do a nine, try to do a nine-game season as well. But what they're going to do that I hope they – and I think they're working on it. So I think the SEC can get nine in, play eight conference games, and then play one of the other ones. I mean, like I'm talking about those – ACC, SEC rivalries that exist, you know, the Georgia-Georgia Tech, the uh, Louisville-Kentucky, Florida-Florida State, and if they can work with the ACC to get that in, you know, the ACC and the SEC have a lot of conference scheduling similarities with the fact that they play eight games anyway. So if they can get that rolling, I think that's a perfect world scenario for them. And then the Big 12, obviously, they play nine. Um, You know, and it's just a question, can we get nine or ten games in? And I still think if you play eight or nine – Nine to me is like, you can get that many regular season games in starting in October, and you can do it legitimately um, and safely. To me, that's a legit season. Yeah, I mean, it's not that far off of what it's grown to be 12. And if you can get through a a regular season, I don't know how expansive the bowl season will be. We have no clue what December or January looks like, but... Are you in favor of a, of a one-time playoff expansion 
for 2020 because of how screwy this year's been? You, 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 you up it to six or eight? No, because I think you want to just get them in. And in this, I, we can still figure out who the four teams are. Yeah. I think it's going to lead to some open. And I, actually, I think keeping it at four increases my interest a little bit because some teams may lose and some te- things may happen. It's like, to me, it's like you're basically, imagine a college football season that ends on Halloween, mm-hmm. a regular one. Sure. And then how that can change from November Halloween to the December 7th when most conference championship games are played. Um, but I'm cool with four. I think we can figure out who the four best teams are. I think there'll be some, hopefully, some wonkiness to the season, which college football, quite frankly, needs. And then we go from there. A couple more minutes. Bill Bender is with us. The sporting news at Bill Bender. <laughs> 92 is where you follow him on Twitter. Bill, uh, baseball gets going here end of this week. And uh, some thoughts from you uh, as you look at, at the Reds and some other National League teams and even kind of scanning the American League. Any any favorites, any any dark horses as you look at this season? I know there's some guys that, that have opted out, but, man, it, you, you've condensed a season to, to 60. Uh, you don't have to be great for... Uh, those dog days of August or, or into September, it's it's shrunk on you. No, I think, you know, these the 60-game season is going to be fun. I think it's going to be every game matters type deal, and you'll get locked in. And as I wrote for us today, I mean, that magic number, if you want to win your division, if you go 38-22, and 22, you get a chance to win your division. I think there could be some sub-500 teams getting the playoffs, depending on how it breaks. So, um and I do think it's something college football can watch because the regionality of the schedule is pretty cool. And um, that's what we like about college football for the most part, that hyper-regionality in some places, especially Big Ten, SEC. And if it works out in baseball, I think that could work out in college football. Where would you slam Toronto? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. They've, they've got to find a hub. So, <laughs> you know, if you're doing it on the East, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to put them in New York or – I don't know if you want to do that. But yeah. – uh, Somewhere on the East Coast and, and get them in there, but that's another wrinkle, obviously, with what's going on in Toronto, where that team, where you could let them play 60 road games, and if they win the pennant, be one of the better stories in sports history. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been some push uh, with uh, smiles on our face to, to get him to Warner Park just up the road in Omaha, uh, let him play where the, uh, the Omaha. Uh, storm chasers play uh, or just throw them at TD Ameritrade home of the College World Series Omaha would be all great with that I don't know how uh, how uh, the site of Buffalo is I know they're rabid for football but I'm not sure uh, could Buffalo handle Toronto uh, and a Major League Baseball squad I've never been to Buffalo I mean they could and I mean yeah that's a good point you find one of those triple A uh international league sites and go from there with them and, and see if they could enjoy two months there um, and see if it works out. But, yeah, I mean, that's just one of those other wrinkles, logistical hurdles to it. And um, they're getting on crunch time with that. Bill, last thought, what are you working on? What's coming up on the sporting news from you? Well, I'm off today, um, you know, but we squeezed you in, of course. I, I, you know, and then uh, <laughs> tomorrow we'll get back to it with some more opening day content. I'll have a uh, – a look at the chase if we'll actually get a 400 hitter in a 60 game season, which is another one of those wrinkles that I always like to chase. And then some more college football content on along the way as uh, we kind of wait and see what those conference schedules look like. Well, Bill, enjoy the concert tonight and enjoy family time. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
the old uh, drive up instead of drive in, but the drive in concert and Bill Bender's throwing on his darkest black T-shirt. He said it's an emu band. <laughs> I said emu. It's like he's got a bird and sunglasses like the commercials. Emu or emo? Emo. E- emu. Whatever, dude. Uh, emu, I think. It's, it's a... It's a underground band the guy's wife likes. Emo. emo oh, okay. Oh I thought you were talking about the animal still. Yeah, the see, animal and I get those emu. two. Because I, I, you see it, 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 emo, it emo shows, you see emo bands, right? Right? Eh. eh no? Not, not, no. A lot of spiked leather. I'd like to see an emo emu. That'd be okay. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Bender, Mitch Sherman, earlier in this show, newest commit Malik Williams spent some time with us. We say hi to Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, have you put the whiteboard and whistled down? How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Dude, I got to hear about your, your weekend down in Kansas City with, with all that prep talent uh, of course, uh, Salas was down there, and, and uh, the Omaha uh, Adidas AAU squad was there, and St. Thomas, and kind of give uh, listeners a little bit of a, a look-see as to the, um, the the Metro and just the AAU seed in Nebraska and how it's been able to compete against some other national squads. What have you What have you been able to see? Yeah, so this weekend uh, I went down to Kansas City to watch the OSA Crusaders program. Um, take part in what's called Camp United, and it was kind of a joint venture between um, Casey Run GMC, OSA, and Howard Poley, which are three of the better AAU programs in the Midwest. And they all got together to have kind of just a round-robin little event where the teams played each other and coaches could watch on the stream and um, kind of those closed, uh, only two games going on at once, so using different sides of the arena and um, – uh, just kind of spread out in the crowds and everything. So it was really kind of controlled environment uh, with some really good talent um, and put on a good show for the college coaches to watch. And um, OSA went 3-1 and one overall because they also played a, 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 a separate showcase game over in another tournament. Um, so they had four games down there and played pretty well. And the first game ended up losing with a on a go-ahead three-point play with five seconds left and didn't get a shot off. So other than that, they kind of took care of business the rest of the weekend, got some good wins and uh, some really uh, highly talented teams and players, including a, a few guys that Nebraska is recruiting. I got to see some of those guys as well. Kind of give us a look, see who are some of the kids Nebraska's in on and uh, to kind of go a little deeper here with, with Hunter Salas, you know, I mean, the the who's who of college basketball is, is after him. Is is there any any lean that you're aware of? Or, you know, is it a three-team race? Or is Nebraska even on the radar? Kind of give us uh, your thoughts on, on Hunter's recruitment. I know he's quiet. And then touch on, yeah. if you can, the, um, the, the kids Nebraska's been in on that, that were part of this showcase. Yeah, so... Yeah, Hunter's, uh, like you said, he's kind of quiet. He has not gotten to the point where he's really kind of cut things down yet at this point. Uh, I think the kind of the lack of ability to take visits is really 
delayed that process for him. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him to really narrow things down without getting a chance to get out there and interact with the coaches and see the campuses and all that stuff. So at this point, I think uh, the recruitment could go on for a while. Um, Obviously, he's got his whole senior season. We don't know yet what's going to happen with the early signing period, if that's that's going to get pushed back or what's going on there. So um, I think he's kind of going to continue to let this process play out. Um, But he has – um, made sure to um, in interviews he's done and just kind of what I've gathered he, he's, he's, let, he's keeping Nebraska and Crane in that mix he's letting both kind of local programs continue to recruit him um, kind of continue to build those relationships he's going, I think he is um, he, he's got a lot of really uh, really great options outside the state obviously North Carolina, Kansas Gonzaga, schools like that um, but he, I think he's letting Creighton and Nebraska continue to stay in it. And he is considering staying home, I think. Um, you've got that, you've got the, the kind of the, home, the hometown thing that, where his family and friends would be able to come watch him all the time. And both programs have recruited him for a while, and he's gotten, a, gotten to know both coaching staff pretty well. So um, Nebraska, I think, and Creighton are going to stay in it. I, I don't know that either one feels – um, like they've got a great shot, more so than some of the other programs that are recruiting him hard. But um, he's going to continue to let them pitch, uh, make their pitch, and keep them in his mix as he um, kind of continues to go through this process. I don't know when he's going to cut it down, and I'm not sure that he does either. But um, so they'll continue to do their part. As far as some of the other guys, um, Trey Holloman is a 2022 point guard for, for Howard Poley. Um, that I, I saw this play this weekend, and um, he's a really impressive prospect. He uh, he got great court vision. I, I got him with nine assists and just two turnovers in the game, twelve points, knocked down a three, had some tough finishes inside, showed some touch on a floater. So um, pretty quick, um, long, and he's a guy that Michigan State just offered uh, the week before. So um, he's a kid that Nebraska has been on early. They offered him about a year ago now. And he's a point guard I know that they really like in that 2022 class. <laughs> then Grady Dick is a, a, a wing, six foot seven wing, um, playing for the Run GMC. Uh, he plays out for their 17s. I, I know some, but he was playing with the 16s this weekend to kind of give that team a chance to compete against the older squads a little bit more. And um, he's a guy that he, he's a top 40 prospect nationally, and I think he's going to be it's going to be really hard to lure him away from Kansas. But he's a guy that Nebraska did offer early on, and uh, he can really, really shoot the ball. It was fun seeing him go up against Tucker DeVries. Um, those guys were really getting after each other, and um, and Hunter in that mix as well. And uh, I think Dick ended up with 24 points against OSA, six threes, um, almost dunked on Tucker DeVries, uh, but Tucker actually uh, stepped in there and took the charge on it. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, it, it was fun to watch uh, some of these uh, kids really go at it. Jacob Badil is with us, giving us a rundown of some of the AAU recruiting and what's been going on. Uh, pretty big-time tournament down in Kansas City last weekend. Jacob was there. He saw it. And uh, a lot of kids in Nebraska is in on. And uh, I, when I heard you say that Nebraska and Creighton are, are in it with Hunter Salas, 
I kind of looked at, at Elijah and was like, huh? I, I, I'm not knocking either school. I mean, Creighton's been fantastic, and I really think Coach Hoiberg and, and Coach Abdelmassi and, and his staff, I think they're going to be fine in Nebraska. I, it's just you're not used to that, even if it is a hometown kid. I mean, it's been, it's been years, right, since Nebraska's landed – their top in-state talent to stay here if, if someone's good enough to, to go down to Lawrence or somebody's good enough to get a look by uh, a Gonzaga or or Carolina for the love of God, right? I mean, that you don't hear North Carolina and Nebraska kid hardly ever, and you've got a plethora of really talented kids that are on, on those radars. What, what uh, and kids you've talked to or kids you, you've observed, I guess, uh, Jacob, you know what kind of impact does does Fred and Coach Hoiberg and, and, and Matt Abdelmassi? What's their rep like with some of these kids? Because Nebraska is being taken seriously now for the first time in a while with some national recruits. Yeah, and I I think it continues to be uh, the 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 whole pitch is um, about Hoiberg and his experience, where he's been, where he can get these kids. Um, I think that's kind of what Matt Abdamasi is selling hard there. Hey, this is Fred Hoiberg. He's a guy that's done everything in the NBA from play to coach to be in the front office. Um, And now he's had success at the college level as well. So this is a great guy to play for. Um, He knows exactly how to get you to where you want to go. And uh, Fred himself, I think he's a guy that just absolutely loves basketball and loves kind of the minutia of it. And, you can see, just I talked with Isaac Trout and about there um, when they did the um, virtual visit with him, and it was just all X's and O's, and Fred just sitting down um, w- with the film and showing Trout exactly how he would fit into what they want to do and how they would use them and um, that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of uh, how it works. Is like Fred's just he's just the all in, uh, all about basketball guy, and uh, Abdel Masi's kind of the guy that. Starts gets those relationships started and kind of uh, bridges that gap between Hoiberg and the recruits that they really want to go after. And he's a guy that continues to to show off with the what the program has. And um, so I think those two work really well together uh, on the recruiting trail. Jacob Adil is with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine. Great stuff. Premium content. Subscribe to Hail Varsity now and get it. Uh, great reporting from Jacob on the uh, the AAU scene down in Kansas City. Jacob, a thought with St. Thomas, and and I know he had a a nice weekend. Where's he at from a recruitment standpoint? Who are some teams on his radar and vice versa? Yeah, he got a few kind of out of the blue, some high major offers there with Mississippi State and Virginia Tech and TCU. Um, I I don't know at this point necessarily where he is on their board. Um, uh, I don't know that um, how much he's hearing from them at this point, but you've also Valpo just recently offered. And I know some other schools are looking at him that I've been talking to. And I think schools are just trying to figure out where exactly what level he belongs at, at this point, because he is a late bloomer. Um, He's a kid that grew about two, three inches uh, between the end of his um, sophomore summer and start of his junior season and barely played as a sophomore and is a, a junior this past year, like 15 a game for Miller North, and was a huge part of what they do. And so he's continued to grow. He's about six six, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. He's kind of worked hard on his body to get in really good shape. Um, continued to progress in that area. 
And I think now teams are just kind of following closely to see how he does against the upper-level athletes that you're going to play uh, when you face off against teams like Run GMC and Howard Poley. And he had a really good weekend. Um, I think now it's going to be all about um, consistency for him and continuing to show this every weekend that, hey, this is what he really can do at this level. And if he is able to do that, I think we could see um, some more of those schools kind of really um, start to show more interest. But at this point, I think I I call him a mid-major plus prospect. I think kind of the mid-majors are looking more seriously at him at this point, but he does have um, those high majors did show some interest there. So I think he's got a chance to kind of get to that level as well. Jacob, I've got 30 seconds. You, me, Elijah, and Kinsey uh, are on a, in a three-point shooting contest. Could you hang with, with Kinsey? Uh, I, uh, I do not know. Um, let's, I'm about ready to go play some pickup tonight. Um, hopefully uh, I'll, I'll have a good day tonight, and maybe I'll be able to carry that over into this conversation. Well, get someone, get someone to film it, because uh, at Jacob Padilla underscore, you, you posted video of Nebraska commit uh, Tomianga. Uh, just drilling three after three after three, yeah. and I just wonder what Jacob. Uh, what's the most you've knocked down consecutively? Jeez, uh, like ten, twelve, something like that. Uh, Definitely not thirty-seven or forty or whatever. <laughs> Forty-seven out of 50. whatever he did. I, I I hit three in one game on on, on NBA Jam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Elijah. What'd you hit? I hit four in a row earlier this week. Okay, I guess it would have been last week, like Thursday or Friday. Jacob, keep up the awesome work. Thanks for jumping on, bud. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Got a great idea for you with a night out in the fresh air, in the sunshine, distance from one another. And I'm talking beer and wine. Are you interested? The 8th of August, the 29th of August. How about Taste of the Rail Yard? Railyard.com is where you log on and get signed up. Enjoy free samples from local breweries and wineries. Listen, there's amazing breweries and wineries in Nebraska. You know this. I know this. And they are coming to you in the rail yard log on railyard.com for taste of the rail yard august 8th august 29th in the rail yard it's just 10 bucks get it locked in do it now with uh, the rail yard and taste of the rail yard so what i got to tell you too is there's some music uh your chance to sip on samples of local breweries and wineries and lemon fresh day august 8th shoot to thrill august 29th and uh, for more information, railyard, therailyard.com. Do we know any emu bands going to be there? See, it's, it's <laughs> it, dude, I screw that up and I try to just stay the hell in my lane on that. It's emo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I played my share of emo bands in uh, 90.3, the Mighty 90, KRNU, of course, you know, which was great. KRNU had a, there's some stuff I still play that I played 20 years ago in college. It was wonderful. Uh, and some of it's kind of more mainstream now, like Nirvana and the Pixies. They're more mainstream now. That Nirvana. was on that was on ninety point three years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's I mean that's where people first heard of Nirvana and Pearl Jam. 
and R.E.M. and Big Head Todd the Monster. I mean, all these bands. Yeah, we, we do have to get that rejoin fixed because you're clearly not in your 30s anymore. No, I'm not. But uh, <laughs> you uh, clearly have worked on Spotify to get our show posted. Ooh, going there. And, and I also, I mean, you're the producer. Job is to tweak the sound and imaging of the show. I can do it. Just kind of waiting for you. You've been doing this two years now? Oh, no. I am, like, at a year. You've got a year and a half. No. No. Because, well, last summer, Colton and I, I was doing, like... You're filling in. Like, I was doing, what, Wednesdays and Saturdays, I think, last summer? But that's... I think I started up last May, I think was my official birthday. Okay. I think. Time flies. When are you having fun? And and it feels like years in 2020. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. We're July going on <laughs> January. That's the problem is like the past five months, I have it all the time in the world to, to get this rejoin fixed mm-hmm. or get this. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the trip maybe to Denver get back from when you get back from vacation. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do my research while I'm on vacation. Uh-huh. No. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. It's your, I'm quite happy pretending I'm still in my 30s. <laughs> my liver is. Okay, let's dive into some more from... Coach Chenander, thank goodness. We'll get into some football here. So we have highlighted Coach Chenander's comments from last night on the network. He touched on the the front three. He touched on the depth of the front three. And he hit on uh, the fact that, you know, Honus and Miller are are nice at the inside. But there is depth at that interior spot at linebacker to push him. Rymers specifically, Henrich specifically, and some other guys. Uh, Keyshawn Green, guy that could do some work. So where are we at if you're Nebraska football looking at your outside linebackers? And you're like, whew. speaking of it feels like forever ago, doesn't it feel like forever ago there was a guy named Randy Gregory coming off the edge for double-digit sacks in the Big Ten? I mean, it almost was. We're talking six years. Six, seven years, yeah. Six, seven years. It's been 2013, 2014. I mean, we're talking 20-sack season combined for those, you know, his his sophomore and junior year. You had Malik Collins in the middle. You had Vincent Valentine. It's been, what, five years since them now? Yeah. It's been a while. But you have not had – I mean, and, and I'll say this, like, I believe it was Khalil I mean, the guy had seven and a half sacks, right? Was it Carlos or Khalil? Khalil had, Khalil. yeah, Khalil had seven and a half sacks. That's nothing to sneeze at, period. And you want you want to go further back with someone raising hell on the interior? I mean, look at the Sue Crick combination, right? Where Sue had twelve and a half, and Crick had nine and a half or ten. I think he had forty-eight in one game against Baylor, <laughs> which was fine. But here is the outside linebacker spot. Here are some of the options. And can they get after a quarterback? Can that outside backer position find somebody to do that consistently? That position, though, you know, he's got some work cut out for him, and they've got some work cut out for themselves. Obviously, that's the biggest question mark. You know, JoJo Doman can do some things on the outside. He's We use him in a lot of different different places throughout the defense 
Garrett Nelson's obviously coming back. You got a couple guys in uh, Caleb Tanner and Javen Wright that have played some football for us but haven't been starters, so they have an opportunity to, to compete and make an impact for that starting position. You know, we've kind of moved um, Damian Jackson over there, and he's he can he's got obviously a different skill set than a Do- JoJo Doman or a, or a Javen Wright type player, but he's got an opportunity to make some uh, make some big plays for us at, at that position as well. And then obviously there's a couple junior college and freshmen, um, Blaze Gunnerson, Nico Cooper, and Jamari Butler will will get in there. Um, and we haven't even mentioned Jamin Graham yet. So there, there's some there's a lot of good bodies in there. I'm excited to see what Coach uh, Dawson will mold those guys into and who will kind of rise to the top as we get through camp. Love those names. I love those names, and and I like what maybe Nico Cooper can do. There's expectation. You come from JUCO, you come in at a higher level, and maybe you make an impact. I think Garrett Nelson clearly can make a jump. I think JoJo Doman is is your hybrid, and you've seen flashes from him. And the clock is ticking on a guy that we were pretty excited about out of Georgia in Caleb Tanner. Because he is a fantastic athlete. And he's got size and he has speed. And he's got that that bend you want, but you gotta you gotta see it. And it's there for Caleb Tanner to do some work. He's quite capable. But uh Newsom's a kid and then you know what, Blaze Gunnerson's a kid that we've heard his name for a long time in the recruiting discussions. He's been a part of the program. And these guys rarely do you get a dude like Thibodeau out of Oregon that comes in and just kills it and lights it up. Or uh, uh, who's the dude from A&M that's with Cleveland? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett, I think, started two years or saw lots of action as a true freshman and then as a sophomore and was gone by his sophomore year. So those are special instances in, in that. Uh, we'll wrap up a Tuesday show. Some more thoughts from Coach Janander. Special teams will be nice. Yeah, I just said that. Why? You'll hear as to why it could be and it needs to be and it has to be better for Nebraska football. That special teams... And uh, just really the the full circle of, of what you will have on this defensive side of the football in 2020 for Nebraska. You are going to have options. You are going to have size. You are going to have some length. Are guys ready to go for four quarters in the Big Ten? We'll wind down to Tuesday next Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Tuesday, Hail Varsity Radio. Mike Babcock tomorrow. Can't wait to chat with Babbers. Brad Edwards with us. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Go going to be out at Wilderness. Excited about that. The end of August. Get things kicked off on the deck. A little live hail varsity on the road. That'll be good. Elijah and his mustache are leaving for Colorado. Yeah, I still haven't decided if I'm going to if I'm going to trim it before. Dude, I see you need to shave that. Because <laughs> if you walk into a bar down in the uh, the Lodo area, 
and you have that mustache, but you have no ink, they will not let you in. Well, I mean, that's okay. You going to buy a Rockies hat to fit in? Should I? I mean, I... I, I think you could just rock all your donkey gear and be okay. I actually have a Denver Broncos mask I just got. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so it's, it's in the car. I got to make sure I, I get it packed when I go out there tomorrow. That's sweet. Now, does it... Does it have uh, Traveler the horse on it, or is it just the the old school Denver logo, or is it uh, the Does it have Ed McCaffrey on it? It's, I mean, uh, what, it's, what do we got? It's like the new school logo, you know, that the logo they've had since what ninety eight or whatever. Right, the new. It's not the old donkey with the the D. Yeah, but it's like orange and blue, and it's got like little yeah. boxes on it with different logos. It's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I would go with some sort of Elway still pick. And lithograph yeah. that thing on there. I'm not sure I want to pay for like the custom image on a, on a mask. You think it's worth it? You'll be able to as you inv- invade Denver. Oh, you're right. I could go you'll mask be, you'll shopping. Be, you'll be able to go mask shopping. Ooh, that presents some good ideas, actually. There's a lot of different options. And who's, who's the offensive tackle that was at Ole Miss that had the bong mask? You'll be able to buy one of those in Denver, too. <laughs> Do you think I could get into business? Laramie Tunsil. Do you think like the businesses in town would let me in if I was wearing one of those? Because it's like some. It's like full. Like is it full face? Right. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it's it like is. A, yeah. It's like you're in the trenches in World War One, except you're not. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. Let's wrap up some audio. Do we have time? Yeah, we Please do. Please tell me we have time. This is Coach Chinander. Uh, cut nine. And uh, what's he talking about? Help me out here. Uh, this would be special teams. Yes, special teams may be special in 2020. I think that a lot of those guys last year that were redshirting should this year either be competing for a starting job or being a backup and a starter in all the special teams. So really all those linebackers and DBs that we've mentioned, if they're not the starter, they should be the starter on, on four special teams. Obviously, you got some offensive guys that'll that'll um, compete for a starting job on special teams too. But my, my feeling is if you're not a starter, if you even if you are a starter on, on defense, you should be on a couple special teams. If you're not, if you're the backup as a DB or a linebacker, you should be a core four player, period. And I, and I think they've got, kind of got that attitude right now that they want to be out there. They want to help the team. And I think that they know that when you play really good on special teams, that kind of paves your way to get on the field more on defense in my eyes and their position coach's eyes and in Coach Frost's eyes. You know, real quick, and when it comes to does Nebraska play in 2020, you've got some some good thoughts by Nebraska President Ted Carter. He wants to see fall sports, and he wants to see it done safely. He thinks Nebraska can do that. Not everyone sees it Nebraska's way, so they got to have somebody to play. Buckle up for a wild end to July, but that's encouraging. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Elijah, have a good trip, brother. I'll try my best. Uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.